Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 9:30. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we are set to unpack another intercessory key. We are responding to that question: Can you pray for me? Uh, one of the questions I received very early on was, "How do you respond to the question: Can you pray for me?" or uh, can you pray for this or that, whatever is on someone's heart? Uh, so what I thought we would do is not only answer that question in one uh, evening or two evenings, but devote a whole series of evenings, a whole series of programs and podcasts to that question. Two weeks ago, I talked about praying in faith. Last week, I talked about praying in the Spirit. Well, this evening is praying in the Spirit Part 2. Because, my friends, if we don't get this right, I mean, if we don't get these first few keys right, faith, praying in faith, and praying in the Spirit, then, well, our prayer of intercession will not be what it needs to be. So with that, let us continue to explore what it means to talk about uh, to pray in the Spirit, to walk in a life in the Spirit, huh? Um, So last week, we kind of left it off with that question you know, what other insights can be gained on intercessory prayer by reflecting upon the Holy Spirit as the gift of identity? Well, let me first say this for this evening. The gift of the Holy Spirit enables us to share in His divine nature. This is one of the great provocations and exhortations that comes to us from Peter, 2 Peter 1.4, that we have been called by virtue of baptism to participate in God's very divinity. Uh, Which is to say, my friends, without ceasing to be who we are in our humanity, we become something more in his divinity. Uh, In the transfiguration, Jesus revealed himself anew before Peter, James, and John, right? We read that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. There on top of the mountain, without ceasing to be who he was in his humanity, Christ's divinity shined forth on top of the high mountain anew before the three apostles. My dear friends, we too are called to live the way of the transfiguration. We too are called to let the divine light shine on our humanity, to let the light shine upon the darkness of our hearts. Incidentally, here often an important question is raised, and you've asked it, is it possible to lose our identity in God? Uh, No. The I, quote-unquote, is never eliminated or obliterated when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Rather, by virtue of God's grace, we become more of who we ought to be because the one who created us now lives in us. In other words, the best version of who I am, Joe Holcraft, insert your name here, right, is always the version that that lives in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of of, as it's been called in our mystical tradition, the gift of the divine indwelling. God speaks to each and every one of us, my friends, 
I created you because you can manifest me like no one else. I am putting something in you that is entirely and completely original. An exceptional particularity, a detail that is unrepeatable. And when I live in you, you are a better you. You see, my friends, the deeper we go into God by receiving the sacraments, praying scriptures, reading the lives of the saints, so on and so forth, the more we become the better, uh, the best version of who God intended us to be. What did God say in the story of creation? We are, Genesis 1, verse 31, very good. (laughs) God takes what is very good and just doesn't make it better, but the best version of the very good. And certainly, within this construct of intercessory prayer, our prayers of intercession are at their best when we are aspiring to the greatest version of who God is calling us to be. Now, if we do not nurture the gift of the Holy Spirit, which illumines the mind and transforms the heart, we risk something tragic, huh? Uh, What do I mean here? What is your favorite place to visit? What is your favorite place to visit? Niagara Falls, maybe? Uh, Yosemite National Park? Maybe it's Napa Valley and its rolling hills of vineyards. Imagine the world without your favorite place. The world would be a lesser place. You would even probably call it a tragedy. When we put self before other and ego before cooperating with God in his gift of the Holy Spirit, the world, my friends, is a lesser place. And that is tragic. Everyone hates to see potential go untapped. I was recently watching a sports program that interviewed one journalist after another, decrying the wasted talent of a professional football player. They were frustrated because they never saw this NFL receiver reach his potential. And doesn't it speak to something? Most people hate to see people not succeed at what they do best. Transposing this into the spiritual life, each of us, my dear friends, have a divine potential. And if we don't tap into the Holy Spirit, that possibility of achieving great things on the stage of Christian living goes untapped. Culture today needs our distinct gift, our Christian uniqueness. There are many people in the world today who desire to be different. But instead of turning to God to give meaning to their unrepeatable nature, as we've been talking about, they pivot towards the world for answers and are what? But left empty. Our uniqueness abides in the soul and must be attended to by God and God alone. He created us and knows us better than we know ourselves. We become holy if we walk in the presence of God and allow Him to set us apart, right? The Hebrew for holiness literally translates as uh, to be set apart. Our holiness is a manifestation of God's holiness living within us. All of us want to be different. But the first step in realizing our difference is the next step in the Holy Spirit, a step that is always at the service of what but better intercessory prayer. Pope John Paul II once said that the mission of Christ's redemptive work is at the service of one truth, the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is why he needed to ascend, right? The message of John Paul II is clear. Without the gift of the Holy Spirit, Christ's redemptive mission would have been incomplete. This is why we needed Pentecost. Similarly, 
without the gift of the Holy Spirit operating in our soul, our sharing in the redemptive mission of Christ would be what? But incomplete. And I think, my friends, herein lies a very important question for all of us. When we are asked, can you pray for me? Are we properly disposed in the Spirit to respond to that request? Certainly, I can tell you on a more personal level, this is a challenging question. But if I am serious about responding to man's ache to have me pray for them, then I must wrestle with this question on a daily basis. All right, what else here? What does St. Peter tell us in 1 Peter 3.15? Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. We ought to remember that the hope is God dwelling within us, right? In the gift of the Holy Spirit. While we typically associate, associate this passage with the discipline of apologetics, right, that discipline which is a defense of revelation, rightfully so, I do believe, my friends, this passage also belongs in the category of intercessory prayer. When others see the power of God's holiness in you, might they be compelled to inquire into the why you live the way you live? And does this not tend to lead to a discussion that ends with the question, can you pray for me or maybe some other request? And maybe if the soul who approaches you does not ask for prayers, don't be shy. Ask, can I pray for you? Often they will say yes and something beautiful begins. While dining, I was once in the company of a good friend who asked a waitress if there was something he could pray for. Initially, clearly alarmed by the question, this waitress did not say anything. But it's interesting, after we had finished our meal, she came over to our table in tears. She explained to us that she had recently lost a close friend and fell into a state of depression. She asked us to pray for her friend's soul and that she herself might be rescued from her depression. She could not thank my good friend enough for the simple question, is there something I can pray for? So powerful, so important, my friends, to be thinking about this. And so as we reflect upon the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the call we have to intercede in the Spirit, we revisit that salient verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. We do not know how to pray as we ought. This verse is about acquiring the disposition of humility. This whole response to that question is about the disposition of humility. St. John of the Cross says, to be taken with love for a soul. God does not look on its greatness, but the greatness of its humility. You see, my friends, the virtue of humility is the fountainhead of all good intercessory prayer. Only when we become a beggar before God will we begin to pray as we ought and obtain the riches of intercessory prayer. Now, maybe we here should define love so as to get a better understanding of what's going on here. Traditionally, we define love as willing the good of the other for the sake of other, without the expectation of receiving anything in return, huh? So, <laughs> ingredient to this Christian reality of love is the virtue of humility. Brothers and sisters, the humble soul never places oneself first in the company of other, as the humble soul understands he is no more or less important than his neighbor. The humble soul is never preoccupied with a bloated reputation. The humble soul 
is never preoccupied with being right in a conversation or having all the right answers to all the world's problems. The humble soul is most free to love because the humble soul never gets lost in the maze of lies protecting the false self. The humble soul does one thing, my friends, it wills the good of the other. In intercessory prayer, the humble soul who seeks to will the good of the other always looks to the interest of others. Even to the point, the Catechism says, paragraph 2635, of praying for those who do him harm. And let me tell you something. This point raised in the Catechism is of no small matter. Because the humble soul receives the harm done to them as a sign to pray for the one who has done them harm, right? Maybe the person who hurt you did not ask, can you pray for me? But if someone has harmed you, then the person is in need of your prayer. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, This is an extraordinary exhortation and challenging truth. Because when you translate the Greek text, the message is clear, uncompromising. Being called a child of God is conditioned to loving our neighbor, yes, and and praying for those who oppress you. The thing is, Christ not only invites us into this heroic love with his words, but with his very life. He ascends to the heights of the cross, which historians tell us somewhere around 10 to 13 feet, to reveal to us the heights of heroic love. From the pulpit of the cross, he invites us into heroic love, which always includes interceding on behalf of his enemies. What did he say there in Luke chapter 23, verse 34? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This, no doubt, calls for an interior revolution that is brought about by the virtue of humility. So it is, we will the good of the other, which always includes our enemy. By virtue of praying for them, Christ puts this challenge before us within this larger construct of what? What was that last verse? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you are a perfectionist, do you pray for your enemies? Hmm. By the grace of God, go I. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.